out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing. There is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Today we do a one-episode breakaway from our international podcast host series to listen to local man, Paul Roon. Paul has a background in finance and marketing and in addiction. Now nine years into his sober journey, he is combining his experience with his strength and hope to bring a message of financial hope and dreams to people in the recovery community, but by all means not limited to people in recovery. I find his story very inspirational and think you will too. Learn more about Paul on his website, which is www.paulruecoaching.com. That is P-A-U-L, Paul, R-O-U-X, Ru, Coaching, C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G, dot com, C-O-M. <laughs> While on the site, also look at the book Paul features in, called The Addiction Diaries. You can also find him on Facebook, if you look for Paul Ru Coaching. You can even email Paul at paul at paulrucoaching.com. This was a Zoom recording. At stages, you will hear some sound lags, if that is even a thing. But you will hear what I mean when you hear it. I apologize for that, but it is due on the internet over which I had no control of it at that stage. This podcast is supported by The First Layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There's also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on the first layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. Please also look out for information on my new book, Life and Non, a 12-step guide to life for non-addicts. You can find it by following the link from the right of my homepage. It costs 300 rand without postage. Order from me in my shop www.freddyshop.co.za This is Paul's story. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Paul Rue, good morning. Good morning, Freddy. So, so happy to, to be here. Thank you. Welcome to meet me in the field. It's awesome to have you here. What I really like about it is what I asked you and you said yes and you set up the appointment and kudwa, there we are. So well done. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, very honored to be here. So thank you so much. And I'm still disappointed that I, that I, that I thought I should know you and I, I actually don't. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't recognize you even with my glasses on. <laughs> it's not okay. So Paul, tell me, you indicated earlier that you move that you moved around a lot so i presume you are not cape town no i'm not where were so you born i grew and up in where were you born and bred i was born in uh johannesburg okay and uh yeah my mother's canadian and my dad is from boxburg they met in uh <laughs> montreal in 1976 <laughs> that's an interesting connection canadian <laughs> and boxburg <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. And it's, out, it's, and it's, out popped you. <laughs> and there we go. Yeah, yeah. So they made it. And then four years later, I came along. So that's 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 what happened. But yeah, grew up, born and raised in, in Joburg. And then I went to school in Pretoria, ended up at Wits uh, University. 
And uh, then I started working in Joburg for a bit, but I wanted to try different things. You know, I was never, I always grew up as a, as a kid. I was very unsettled. I, 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 I kind of, I think I was, you know, dealing with FOMO a lot of the time. I mean, uh, you know, oh, what am I, am I doing it right? Maybe okay, I need to do yeah. something else. Uh, am I doing it right there? Like, it, you know, so I thought, well, let me, let me try and move overseas. I, I was you know, my mother's Canadian, so very blessed to have a, a Canadian passport. Mm. And I thought, well, let's do that. And and I moved over there and I lived there in Toronto for a few years. Okay. Yeah. But then I came back and I and I came back to, to Gauteng after that. Okay. And how old are you now? I just turned 40. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yes. life is going to become so much better for you very, very soon. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. Mm. Apparently, yeah, life begins now, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I can honestly say 40s turned out to be really, really good. And the 50s even better. So Okay. Well. Yeah. So, so stick up those years. I recommend it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how age for me just, it's as if each, each decade just, kind of stripped off a layer of insecurities for me. And I just became so much more comfortable in my skin with each birth, birthday after 40. So as I grow older, I just become so much more happy and so much more content with who I am. I wish you all of that as well. How did it happen that your parents met in Canada? What was your father doing in Canada? Yeah. <laughs> so he, he's a chartered accountant by trade. He got, he finished his articles in, uh, yeah, um, what was it? I guess in 1976 or, or so. And he then, him and his mates, they rented a, you know, those old Volkswagen um, uh, vans with a big VW yeah. sign in the front. So, you know, you picture it in 70. Awesome. Yeah. You got bell bottom jeans and you got, you know, big collars and mm. uh, wild hairstyles. And uh, they, so they rented that. They Bag, they, bag of uh, Dacher. <laughs> yeah, God knows what they were doing. Yeah, big yeah. Bag, big bag um, of marijuana on the back of Africa. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, some blitz and all the rest of it. So they were driving around the United States, and um, then they ended up in Montreal. They, they, um, uh, one of the guys they met had a sister in the nursing community, and she was hosting a, a party of some sort. You know, you how you meet people along yeah. the way and. They went to this party and uh, it was a lot, bunch of nurses were there and it was in Montreal. And, and so that's where my parents met. Uh, my mom okay. was a nurse. She worked in Montreal at the time. And my dad just, they just, I guess, you know, they fell in love. And my dad stayed on for six months. He okay. got a visa. Okay. And uh, then they, yeah, they really got really close. And I think what happened was she started to come over to South Africa and then eventually, and they got married in 1979. Okay. So that, that was, that's sort of oh, that. Cool. So that's what happened. Okay. I love Lee. I, I, I love love. I love, I love love stories. That's awesome. So, yeah. And did you grow up with a sense of religion at home? I did. Yeah. So I'm, I have a, Christian worldview that's that my by faith at the, uh, right now but I, I did growing up uh, uh, went in a Catholic my mom's Catholic and I had a sort of a Catholic religious upbringing I went to catechism and we got confirmed and 
I hated it. I did not like it at all. It was so boring to me. There was uh, <laughs> there was so many rules and regulations, and it was yeah. so stale. And I, I I couldn't. I didn't want to relate. I didn't really even want to try. I mean, I think the willingness to to try and get myself into that frame of mind was. There was a lot of resistance there. Yeah. And then I went to schools, uh, which predominantly were Anglican. So again, Christian, but a little bit different. You know, the Anglican and the Catholics, uh, I, I noticed a bit of difference there. Overall, it was the same. And it was very much, uh, I always had this feeling of, of dread when I was thinking about church and all mm -hmm. this sort of thing. Uh, the word excitement in church was never used in the yeah. same sentence growing up. It, it was just not fun. There must be a way to make church more relatable for children. In, mm. in, in my day, it was just so bloody boring. I, I did a podcast interview with my sister a while ago. She's six years older than me. And she reminded me, and I completely forgot how virtually in every single bloody Sunday, I was pulled out of church and given a hiding outside because I was a naughty in church. So no wonder it didn't resonate with me. For, for me, it was yeah. just physical punishment and still the, the promise of going to be punished if you don't do a certain set of things in church. So um, Yes. And you, with a surname like Rue, was your father Afrikaans? Is your father Afrikaans? Uh, no, an, I mean, I think... An English Rue. Yes, he's an English Rue. They did speak Afrikaans in their household growing up. Um, my my grandfather worked on the mines, and uh, so it was more. It was there was a bit of bilingual conversing going on, but for us, you know, with my mom being Canadian, it was never yeah, going to happen course, at yeah. all. Uh, so so Absolutely. it was just an English household, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And you said you you schooled in Pretoria. Were you yes. in Pretoria Boys High? No, I was in uh, St Albans College. Okay. Near Menlin, yeah. Okay. Near Menlin Park, yeah. Yeah, so Did so that was boarding school. It was a weekly boarder, which I liked. I mean, I wanted to – I liked the idea of boarding school because I was like, gosh, I don't know if I want to be at home. Um, and a lot of the – my when I was finishing primary school, a lot of the kids were going to these boarding schools, and I thought, oh, wow, again, you know, it's the FOMO, so the fear of yeah. missing out. So, oh, I need to get on that train, right? But I didn't like the idea of this full-time three, four months stint yeah. at a boarding school in the Midlands or something. I thought, oh, my yeah. gosh, that's a little hectic. So a weekly boarder at St. Albans in Pretoria suited me quite well. And I was able okay. to then come home on the weekends. Yeah. yeah. And did you enjoy that experience? I must say I hated it for the first three months. It was very – it was because, you know, I've been home, obviously, mm. uh, used to being at home. So now I was thrust into this – environment it was very different you know you got uh, a whole bunch of boys running around and they're playing pranks on one another and I was never one to try and get into that sort of crowd I guess I kind of stuck to myself a bit um, I had a few friends but you know I wasn't loud and boisterous and all the rest yeah. of it so so sometimes it just got a little too much for me but um, I did get into it eventually then my, you know, my, my parents would be like, geez, are you coming home this weekend? You know, I'll be like, nah, I think I'm just going to hang out and we would uh, play sports or whatever, or just fool around and play games or something, you know, on the weekends. So okay. um, it, it, I did, I did get into the, to the whole uh, culture of it eventually. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 
And then you went to Wits afterwards. Then I went to Wits. What did you study? And I studied, you know, I was a bit all over the place. I, I had this inkling. I wanted to be a clinical psychologist. Huh? Right. Yep. Then I thought, I'm well, raising my hand. Me, me yeah. too. <laughs> but I, the idea of going for a PhD and spending so many years, and I thought, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know <laughs> if I have the patience for that. Yeah. But I, so I thought, well, let me do, I wanted to do a BCom. So I did a BCom and I started with psychology. Then I did marketing and then I did finance. So I did three majors. I liked all of them. All of them had different, different attributes that I enjoyed. But again, when I finished my varsity, I left thinking, well, I don't know really what I want to do because I've got all this, I've got a degree in, in something, but um, I, I'm not sure exactly where I want to be. I knew I wanted to make money and I thought maybe BCom would, would work. But again, I was, I was unsure of what I wanted to do and where I wanted yeah. to be in this, in this world. Yeah. You know? I find it interesting that the whole thing about life, that we need to make a decision at 18, mm. or in my case, 17, I was 17 when I left school, is what do you want to do for the rest of your life? How the hell should I know at 17? What do I know about life to make that decision? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you, yeah. you you sounded as if you went on that same kind of. Okay, so, so, yeah. So exactly. Right and I and yeah. I I was very envious of people that did know because I did know a few people. They wanted to be an accountant or they wanted to be a doctor or mm. something, you know. And it was very definitive and they was very clear for them. And I was envious of that because I had no clear direction, and I wanted I wanted clarity. So I would try different things, and I wasn't a hundred percent sure. But again, I was thinking am I doing it right maybe I should do this and I and I um I I just wasn't sure what 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 the real issue is and I realized that now is I was really abandoning myself a lot of the time uh because I was constantly looking outwards to the world for validation for acceptance yeah. for approval and I wasn't looking internally for these things yeah. you know and so uh I never sought the time to actually sit down and think, you know, what do I want in life? Because yeah. I was constantly thinking, well, what do they want for me? Or mm. what can they do for me? And, and so on. So yeah. that outward focus actually was very detrimental to making these decisions early mm. on in life. If that makes any sense. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you loudly and clearly. Yes, it was seen. <laughs> and... And then what happened? And then what, I got what, into the banking program. I applied for it. It was something that uh, they came along. They, they made a good pitch and they said, you know, try working in Standard Bank. You see how you go. And there was a foreign exchange department. And, and I thought, okay, cool. I mean, sounds interesting. And uh, I've got a, some finance background. Yeah. And I thought, well, yeah, I did it. So I started working in the bank in town in Standard Bank there. And like it was okay. Massive, massive building. Massive building, yes. Yeah. Huge. I mean it was very large and it was it was it was kind of exciting too because you know you, you welcome to the corporate world yeah. and, and all these so ideas did, of what, what's gonna happen and where you're gonna go and all that sort of thing. So did Standard Bank come to Vitz to do a recruitment drive? There was a guy he was part of uh he wouldn't. He didn't work for Standard Bank, but I think 
he worked for a company that was consulted to Standard Bank. So he was a consultant. And this consulting company had this program that would consult to, to the bank. Yes. So that's, that's how it got in. And did you end up in exchange control division? Because you mentioned exchange control earlier. Yeah. Well, no, not exchange control, foreign exchange. It was retail forex. Yeah. Yes. So I would do um, like deals. So, you know, you would call in and say, uh, Paul, I I need, uh, I'm going to Europe. I need, uh, I need a thousand euros or I need, you know, 5,000 euros, what, what rate can you give me? Yeah. So that kind of thing. So I deal with, 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 uh, high, high, high net value, high value clients, but also like small businesses. So they import export. They need to, they need to, uh, yeah. So you do that. Okay. And at that stage in your life, Paul, were you, were you attending church? Were you um, in any way following a spiritual path or where, where did you stand? Mm. that was uh it was on the back burner to be honest so i you know i'd been confirmed as a a catholic and i'd gone through all the all that all that all that stuff all the legalities i guess you can Mm. call it and when i got out of school i thought oh i'm done i don't have to do this anymore right so there was freedom in that so I, I started to let go of that and it was it was freeing for me because I, I was now like I'm not obligated to go to church and I'm not obligated because it felt as an obligation. Yeah. So, so I I was still praying to God. I didn't lose faith. I didn't say no, there's no God or anything like yeah. that. I, I didn't become um, agnostic or atheist in that sense, but I I was certainly um, less inclined to go to church definitely yeah for nicer things to do on a sunday morning well that's what i definitely Mm. thought at the time yeah Mm. yeah yeah it was um and i felt it was freeing because i felt like uh oh i have all this time i can do what i want to do yeah you know so so that was i felt good at the time especially as a student when sun when saturdays saturday evenings become quite long Yes, exactly. And then you've really got the Sundays to recover. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> don't do so. Yeah. yeah. And, so you don't have to feel guilty going to church and think, oh, what have I done? And, oh, I've sinned and all this sort of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what happened that you, it, it sounded from what you said earlier that, that you have come full circle back to following your faith. Yes. Actively, am I correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So take us a a little bit on that journey. Yeah. Um, So I got, um, I got uh, involved in, uh, in my twenties, I got involved in, in, in drugs and alcohol and it slowly obviously pulled me away, certainly from my, from my, my faith walk and, uh, and to very dark alleyways and, and, and dark places. And uh, I came into recovery and around 30, I was about, I was about turning 30 when I got into treatment. Okay. And uh, that's, um, that's when certainly things changed. But I was very resistant to the idea of a um, religious God. And I remember saying to my parents before going into treatment, I don't want religion shoved down my throat. 
Yeah. That's my words verbatim to my parents. Did, did you believe at that stage that God had forsaken you? Yeah. Taking, I taking did. you into that dark space. I, 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 yeah, I blame God a lot uh, for, for how I felt and where I was at. You know, my words to him, I remember praying, uh, just saying to him or praying out loud, is saying, you know, if, if you're so good, why am I feeling like this? Why am I in this, in this, in this space, you know, yeah. physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? Why am I feeling like this? You know, you're supposed to be this good God and, and, I'm, and I'm feeling so horrible and, and mm. rotten to the core, right? And so guilty and filled with a lot of shame. So it, 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 there was a lot of resentment there. And yeah. um, I, 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 was, I was misinformed. I was also uh, very much focused on my own pain. And I didn't fully understand, you know, in hindsight, you know, things are, are a lot clearer, right? Yeah. But I didn't understand the, the journey that I was on and, and what was going on. And, uh, you know, when I got into recovery, they, they, I slowly started to open up to the idea of um, this Christian God. But I, I, you know, I got to understand God from a new light. And I started mm-hmm. to understand him in what, from what I under, really understand to be now is what the original intention of the Christian worldview is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Because I feel it's been um, muddied. There, there's been, um, and a lot of, uh, there's a particular pastor that I love, Andy Stanley, he's based in Atlanta, Georgia. And he quite openly says, you know, we're to blame too as pastors for doing this. Because um, there's there's a huge, obviously, big responsibility for pastors to spread the good news. But sometimes that news can be spread in a way that's filled with a lot of personal bias, a lot of own stuff that gets contaminated. Yeah. And the, the message actually gets contaminated. And then you hear about this guy that's actually, you know, it's going to smite you and it's going to hurt you. And there's there's this, if you don't do this, then God is going to yeah. do this. And there's this punishing thing, and which is not... Which is not correct. It's not. It's not. It's not what it was supposed to be. You know, and um, God of love. God of love. Yeah. You know, I believe that. Look, my personal belief, and and this is just mine, and uh, is I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He he came down. He walked among us, and he he died for our sins, and uh, he rose from the dead, and and not because the Bible says so, and it had nothing to. It's got nothing to do with the Bible. It was. I've had a personal experience i'll tell you there's a story i'd like to Mm. share yeah when i was in treatment i was on my i was in a few months in i was spending quite a bit of time there but i was it was a couple months into into the treatment minimum stay six months um on a farm and uh yeah (laughs) so it was uh the best thing that ever happened to me it must be scary to know you're going away for six months I mean, a lot of people yeah, think was. I was like, the normal 21-day oh, treatment is so scary for most people. I'm thinking six oh. months, oh, my word, that's hectic. Oh, uh, yeah. I was like, no, I want to be out in three. You know, yeah. I had my own uh, ideas. You know, I, again, of uh, course. it wasn't 100%. <laughs> it's, it's your own brilliant. ideas that got you where you were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. My, my best ideas got me idea. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so insane. I was still th- thinking of my own ideas are still going to work out better. Yeah. So I, I uh, but... Um, Eventually, I did stick it out. Um, oh, well then. But yeah, yeah. And were you still working for the bank at that stage? Or where were you professionally? Oh, no. 
No, I mean, I, the bank had come and gone. I'd, uh, cause I'd, I'd moved to Canada. I'd moved back cause I'd stayed in Canada. I was an active addiction in Canada oh, my uh, and things got pretty hairy there. And uh, I came back cause I needed to come back. Uh, I needed to just, I was very scared. So I came back and I was working in Joburg and then I got retrenched. Mm. So this was now 2011 and I was without a job and I moved, got into treatment. This is October, 25th of October, 2011. That's when I, okay. when I, that's when I went to the farm. Okay. And is that your clean yeah. date? Yeah. Although I counted the 26th because I, uh, <laughs> I was smoking up a storm on the, on the, <laughs> the day before. Right. So I just thought, you know, from a, from a clean perspective, I was yeah. pretty much uh, still had drugs in my system on that day. I was drunk when I went in. So, yeah right so yeah yeah i mean that's we do right that's, that's, that's absolutely do. cool so so at resurrection you've got a different perspective of god yes and that perspective was perspective that resonated with you and you started living a life with with that god yeah yeah what I loved about it, you know, in the, the program, it talks about the God of your understanding. Mm. Um, but, you know, when I when I heard that, I thought, well, it's it, what it means to it's personal, right? Yeah. And when it becomes personal, it becomes powerful. So it needed to be personal to me because I was trying to have the relation, the same relationship with God as the priest or with as my mother, or my my mm. father or the, the person next door, the person sitting next to me in the pew, right? I needed to have the same relationship and that wasn't working yeah. for me because I thought, oh, well, it's, it's very, I don't get it and I'm not understanding it. And this, but when it was personal, I thought, wow, because that's what it's about, right? It's about, and, and for me, Jesus, the, the Holy Spirit, they want to have a personal relationship with you. It's got nothing to do with anybody else. It's just mm. a personal relationship and it's special and it's unique and it's profound and uh, that's that's when things started to change for me, and I started to open up to the idea because then I was thinking, okay, this 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 I can do. This mm-hmm. this is something that I can work with because I don't want to have the same relationship uh, with God as someone else. It's got to be unique to me because yeah. I have my own stuff, exactly. my own personality. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. I was I was so selfish that I wanted my own God. <laughs> I created my right. own higher power kind of thing. <laughs> I'm yeah. not sharing this with three billion people. And this is mine. So you've been in recovery now for 10 years, over 10 years. Well, it'll be 10 years in October. So we, I oh. celebrated nine last awesome. year. Yeah. Ooh. So thank you. Yeah, praise yeah. God. And, and it's been a wonderful journey. But it is certainly has its highs and lows but it's it's been a, a it's been a wonderful journey everything mm. yeah absolutely that is such a lovely journey all not mm. i am willing to go through active addiction again to get through where i am now yeah i'm willing to walk that path again absolutely because it's such a wonderful journey listen paul so coming in, coming into recovery what did you do what where did you go professionally Oh, before I start, I wanted to share the story about. Oh uh, yes, yes, yes. That um, that that it, it was a sort of a uh, quite a profound spiritual awakening. So it was about two months into treatment, and 
I, they asked the, the people who were running the treatment center said, Paul, can we pray for you? And I was like, Oh God, here we go. You know, <laughs> and I was a bit weird, like people praying. And I was like picturing, you know, I had, I was a bit hesitant to the idea, but mm. I was like, okay, fine. You know, I was desperate enough to, to want that. So I did. And they prayed for me and they prayed for the Holy spirit to come down. And let me just stop here and just say, had, um, this, no, no, let me carry on. Let me carry on. It's like, I, I was, I was, I was listening to them pray and I was listening to them, to them say these words. And all of a sudden, and I'm kidding you not that what happened was I started to feel this peace come down on me. Like it just came from nowhere. Mm. And it sort of was coming from the inside. There was this peace, this profound peace. And I've been praying for peace for my life, you know, Anyone with an active addiction can relate to the fact that my mind is just going with a thousand <laughs> oh thoughts a second. And, it's, yeah. and, and I, everything stopped. It was just this tranquil feeling of, of serenity that just overcame me. Oh. And I felt so good. And I didn't understand. It was very weird for me, but it was also so inviting. And I wanted more of it. And it was so warm and, and loving. If, if, if love had a feeling this is what it was and mm. i remember writing down in my reflections that night or you know we just sort of did it a step 10 inventory and i remember writing this is the happiest day of my life oh my goodness. and i meant every single word oh. of that and i was in rehab i mean who has the happiest day of their life in rehab and i could had just it was because of this profound experience and yeah what i was going to say is had i if someone said to me, Paul, this is what's going to happen to you when people pray, I would say that you are a liar. Yeah. People, this doesn't happen to people. It's all in your head. But this is what happened. And it's profound and it's real. And that's when I realized, you know, God is real. This stuff is, mm. is he, he is, he is, he is amazing. <laughs> and this love Beautiful. and this peace that he is promising us. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. That's amazing. That's wonderful. Yeah. Incredible. That is truly amazing. So now you come out of rehab and now the Paul needs to make a life. So so what yes. happens next? Right. So I I realized I couldn't go back to Johannesburg. That was out of the question uh, with people, associations, all the rest of it. So I needed people, to, to make a name things. for myself. Yeah. Yeah. People, people, places and things just far too negative to go back there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Those are very dangerous. And I, I, I had a, you know, I had a BCom degree. I had some experience in like the banking sector and all the rest of it, but I was putting my CV out there and I, in the meantime, nothing was coming along. So there was suggested to me, uh, yeah, right. I don't want to become a waiter, but I, I said, you know, fine. I was open to it. And uh, I got, Job as a waiter, uh, I wasn't earning a lot of money. It was in Peter Maritzburg. There was a small coffee shop, not earning huge tips. So I had to get another job. So I got two jobs as a waiter. I was working seven days a week. And yeah. it was enough for me to pay rent on a small little place. Um, I was very lucky to have get an old car, beat up my old, my sister's beat up old Volkswagen Polo. And I had enough money to put money into the pet for petrol so, so I can get to work. So I can yeah. earn enough money so I can pay rent and eat food to put enough money into the car so I can get back to work. 
And that, that's essentially how the days went, right? <laughs> and I thought, okay. But I was trusting in God. You know, this time I had a renewed spirit. I was mm. grateful. I was, I had a job and I was, I was sober. I was clean and sober yeah. and I was happy. And awesome. I felt peace and I just kept going. And I started, kept applying for jobs. Eventually got a job as a, an administrator, you know, emails and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, working at a small asset management company in Howick of all places, Good which goodness. is a small town outside of Peter Maritzburg. And uh, I had to work still on the weekends as a waiter because I didn't have enough money oh. to pay rent. So I was still working seven days a week. Mm. And uh, uh, after about three or four months of working that so uh, job, I got a little bit of a promotion and I was able to finally have weekends off, oh, wow. um, which was, I was so excited. I was like, wow, so this is how normal people live. But it was fantastic. But I, and I started working doing that and I started studying, uh, studied part-time and uh, I worked up and I got my postgraduate diploma in financial planning. Oh, wow. And I had a better idea of what I wanted to do, people being of service, guiding them around. And so I studied towards it and I got my postgrad diploma eventually after a few years. And then I wrote the board exam for the certified financial planner designation. And I finally <laughs> got my, my certified planner designation. Yeah. That's wonderful. Oh, that was after about, that, yeah, after about four or five years. That dreaded, dreaded exam. Ugh, oh yeah. Wow. Oh man. I couldn't sleep the night before. I remember I made the mistake of having coffee and I, I was up all night. I was so stressed for the exam. I got I had about four hours of sleep and oh, I no. had to write. I mean, this exam is six hours. It's brutal, no. isn't it? No, I just, I, my bigger problem is I didn't, I didn't want the bloody qualification. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to do that. <laughs> anyway, so, okay. So you eventually became a certified, certified financial planner. That is wonderful. And then what? Yeah. So then I was, now I was in Howick, right? And I was working as a financial planner. I was going a little tired, to be honest, of Howick. Um, I, was, I was trying my hardest to remain grateful at all times and just to keep, you know, moving forward in that space. But I knew that I wanted more and I wanted to change. Uh, I would be going to Cape Town in December my family have a had a place in Cape Town and I would go there in December for a little holiday break and I loved the recovery community right mm. in Cape Town it was so vibrant and yeah, it's uh, an amazing place and obviously you know, Cape Town is such a beautiful place yeah yeah beautiful so I you know Cape Town was on my site say and I thought wow I wanted to go and I thought so 2016 I made a job um as a, as a financial planner, which I changed later on, but um, I had something and I moved to Cape Town in 2016. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And then were you, were you, did you join organized religion or did you keep it very personal for you? Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, what I did was, um, so I joined Hillsong Church. Okay. Uh, which I, which I, which I love, which I, yeah. Hillsong Church, it's, it's sort of, it's non-denominational. 
They, um, it, you know, come as you are. Yeah. It, it was, I love the music, which, mm. but, which I hated, I, which I must say, when the beginning of my Christian journey, I didn't like Christian music. I thought, oh my gosh, this, yeah. is, this is ridiculous. But I, um, when, 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 after my spiritual awakening and God softening my heart a lot, I was really open to it. But the music is great. Um, I love the community. And uh, um, I've, but, you know, I enjoy listening to different pastors also from different parts mm. of the world. Like I, you got Stephen Furtick based um, Elevation Church in North Carolina. I've got, you know, Andy Stanley. He, he does wonderful work in Georgia. Um, if you ever want something about education, um, he's such a great teaching pastor. Got T.D. Jakes in, in Texas. Uh, so much, okay. so much passion and vibrant. Oh, wow. um, and his daughter, um, Sarah Jakes Roberts in, in L.A., uh, she's she's amazing. She has some wonderful preachers. Um, I you know uh, I, I was open up to this whole world where you got we got preachers that are speaking from their heart, right? Yeah. You know you go to church and it's and it's um, they're really talking your language. Awesome. They're, they're they're speaking to you in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I was like, wow. So uh, so many times you Hillsong would bring in a lot of these pastors coming in from overseas and. And I would listen to them and they would be full of passion. And you could see that they were talking about, uh, they really believed um, in, in the, you know, in, in Jesus and in, yeah. in God and the Holy Spirit. And but you could see it in their eyes, the fire in their eyes. And that's what I, that's what I felt was missing in, in, in a lot of the churches that I would been to. It was very, it was very stale mm. and you look down and, you know, you couldn't raise your voice or yeah. enjoy it, but now these people were really enjoying their experience, and I loved it. Oh, awesome! Um, I love that part of it. Yeah, that's fabulous. And then, did you leave the the, the, the financial service industry to start your own company, or, or are you doing your own company within the within a bigger a bigger group? If you understand my question. Yes, because you, you do yeah, run your, no, own, no. your own company. I do at the moment. Right now, I started my own business now. So um, I was working for a, a, a Cape Town-based company for a number of years, which were very good. They're, they're a good company to work for. Um, they've been around for a very long time. But what I found was I wanted to really, I was, you know, again, working for them. And I really wanted to be a coach to a lot of my clients. And a lot of the things I, I couldn't really do or felt like I, I was restricted in doing. So I've now opened up a uh, financial coaching practice ah. where I'm all about coaching people around their own uh, my, uh, money mindset around money, coaching them around the goals that they want to achieve, where they want to go, and really about building a foundation. Because I okay. found that people... Uh, in my experience of being in the financial industry is a lot of people certainly don't lack the, ex they, they lack the expertise and the, the knowledge, uh, probably because, you know, it's never taught in schools and university and all the rest yeah. of it. And, and may be afraid to ask questions. So I encourage people to ask questions and really to build a solid financial foundation of getting your finances in a good space and not just start, go out and invest straight away, but, Make sure that you have a uh, a safety net in place that you know that you're you've you've paid out debt you know that uh, that you have no inkling to go and 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 spend money on your Truers uh, card anymore yeah. you know 
because it's full of high interest and you don't you don't mm. want to get that overdraft facility so a lot of people um maybe lack the knowledge around these things yeah. because what it's doing to their finances and it's eating and it's and it's hurting yeah. their credit and all the rest of it right but i i specifically am uh, wanting to help people in the recovery community take control of their finances yeah. so they they can go and live the life that they were created for mm. because mm. i really encourage people to go everyone has dreams right we all want to go out there we have something that maybe we want to go out and achieve and money could be a big factor that's holding mm. us back so let's get that sorted out let's yeah. finish that let's finish you know let's complete that let's solve it let's make yeah. sure that we have some money saved in the bank account for you for the rainy day for 6 months so you can now have the freedom to go out and live the life that you want so you can go and open up that business you can that can you can do that side hustle um yeah. you you have the freedom to do that whereas before you were afraid uh, because yeah. of money let's let's solve the money issue awesome so am i understanding you correctly where where financial planner you would possibly see once a year to to really look at your stuff what you do is is a far more hands-on process and a far more regular involvement in your clients' actual lives and yes. um, helping them to 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 set the goals and then on a regular basis check in with where are you with terms of your goals if you're not reaching your goals what can we do to change that where are you mm. going wrong what what can i do that type of thing a far more active coaching a far more active involvement in their actual lives Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I'm not replacing the the financial planner or financial advisor. Mm-hmm. You know, they they definitely we need them and uh, they have their place. But what often I find is, you know, in the beginning, especially if if one has doesn't know where to start or is just starting out, yeah, a lot of things come up and a lot of emotions come up around money, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of this can be negative stuff, shame yeah. and guilt. and and it could stop us from actually moving forward and budgeting or so i would i would really want to um work together and let's co-create because i yeah. co-creation is very important co-creation and collaboration working together it's so much easier when we're doing it together versus doing mm. it alone you know if we, we could do it alone we've done it already yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so let's and, do it together let's yeah. work on a budget together and uh, let's coach around okay if there's anything that's coming up for you this week and you know yeah. whatever it is also how to to approach debt as well and how to pay it down in in the most effective way possible money is all about you know i follow dave ramsey and dave ramsey is great and you know he's he's done a ph- phenomenal job about financial peace university in the united states when he, he um and uh he has his own coaching program but he talks about uh money is is really 80% behavior and 20% product knowledge and that's what it is it's it's all the emotions that come up you know mm. how we deal with our money it's, it's it's all about the behavior that we it's yeah. it's got nothing really to do with knowledge when we have can have all the knowledge in the world about what to do and where to go and all the product knowledge but at the end of the day what we actually do is mat what matters right yeah absolutely yeah. 100% and one thing that i find interesting as well is the concept of fear related to finances. Mm. I've got a nephew who is a chartered accountant, but he he just doesn't like that industry. 
and he wants to be in a position to help people. And I've been advising him for a while to combine, to go and do a kind of a counseling slash coaching course and use his financial knowledge and especially address his knowledge of finances to alleviate fear around money. Because for, for me, I hate money. I hate the absence of it and I hate the presence of it. Yes. Because for me, it's always a problem. It, I, I just don't like money. So I, I have this, I don't want to get involved in financial planning because I don't like money, mm. whether I have it or not. So if I can, can, can be in a, in a position where I can use a coach or, or somebody who can sit with me and say, so what's your fear? Where does this fear come from? You know, what are we actually dealing with? And to guide me through that fear so that money can eventually become my friend instead, yes. of, instead of this, this abstract foe in my life. And am I unique? That's the type of thing you do. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Because that it's very wonderful. important to address these things head on and to bring these things to, um, to your awareness, right? Yeah. Uh, um, I know with my own personal journey around fear and shame, um, I needed to certainly first become aware of it, right? That it's around yeah. that this when when I'm when I'm thinking about this particular issue, this is what comes up for me. Yeah. So there needs to be a, uh, a direct awareness, and then I need to 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 not run away from it, but talk through it, right? Yeah. And I needed to to talk through it with my sponsor and do step work, and break it down as to what's behind that fear. Yeah, and sometimes there's often we have like superpowers and and things very much a skill set that we're suppressing, right? That because of the fear, mm-hmm. and maybe we can bring that out. And so yeah. there could be some treasure lying behind that fear that that we could, we could bring out. Awesome. Um, but fear, yeah, it definitely comes up. It's a very common thing that, that needs to yeah. be worked through. And, you know, like, again, like financial advisors and financial planners aren't necessarily going to look at that. They're going to say, well, all you need to do is you just need to invest all exactly. you need to do. Exactly. We're not going to, I don't have time don't for, so, you know, they don't really have the time for that. Yeah. yeah, very, very much so. And um, that realization that ignoring your tax return lying on your desk is not going to make it go away. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Ignorance is not going to bring bliss. Exactly. Bliss crazy, you know? exactly. I hear you. Yeah. So, Paul, this all sounds wonderful. So let's wrap up with you telling us where can people find you? What, what's the name of your, of your practice, of your company? Yeah, well, I've got, I just put it under Paul Rue Coaching, so um, cool. just to make it so people know who I am and uh, and what I do. So I'm a coach, right? Um, uh, my website is at paulruecoaching.com. Cool. And you can find a bit more information about me. And uh, I was part of a book as well that was released last year uh, where my story is written in the Addiction Diaries, and you can find that on my, my website. Awesome. Um, and uh, you can email me at paul at paulrucoaching.com. Cool. I have a Facebook page, Paul Roo Coaching, there as well. You can reach me at. So uh, a lot of the information you can find on my website. Yeah. Fantastic. Good. And I shall put links to your to all that sites that you now mentioned. I shall put that in the write-up to this podcast. And I want to end with thanking you from the bottom of my heart for your time, for your beautiful energy, for sharing your lovely story with us and wishing you all, all, all of the best with this. I want to call it magic endeavor of yours because I think it's much needed. So I Mm. I really, really wish you all of the best. And thank Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. 
I found chatting to Paul comfortable and relaxing. I love his hardworking approach to life and his recovery. I also found his story of calmness coming over him during a prayer very inspiring and interesting. I wish Paul thousands of clients and a happy financial coaching practice. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za, or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor, or on Twitter at, at @rinsbukfreddy or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.